Welcome out to Pikappy Podcast, your Pokemon anime podcast. A bit of a change today. We were supposed to return to the main series for a bit and have fun with me and the contest and all that excitement. But you know, there's just a lot of crazy things going on in the world right now. And unfortunately, not all of them are the good cheer for lovely humans performing feats of athletic wizardry. So... So I figured maybe I needed to switch things up and go with another episode that is on the schedule that even my cold emo heart could not find anything to angst about. And so if anybody out there needs something just pure delightful to get them through the day, we're covering the the Pokemon short that was attached to the sixth movie DVD, the Pikachu short Gotta Dance. It's a fun short that was way cuter and and more fun than I thought it would be, and not much heavy happens. And as always, this podcast is brought to you by Poke Press. Uh, Right now, they've got a bunch of videos up covering anime Milwaukee, including an interview with a celebrated cosplayer who has cosplayed Gary Oak in the past and has some thoughts about that character, some feels for him. I am not down with how he feels about Ash, but I suppose if Gary is your main guy, then some of that is just par for the course. <laughs> but it's a delightful interview, and certainly I'm always happy to see Gary get some of the recognition for everything he is in that show. So you can find Poke Press on YouTube. I'll also have links in my blog page, and I'll give you that info at the end of the episode. You can also find PokePress at pokepress.blogspot.com. Now, let us get into the short, Gotta Dance. So it opens uh, with all of the good guy Pokemon playing together, or at least some of them. Pikachu, Lotad, Torchic, Trico. They're out in the forest somewhere playing without their trainers and getting into a little mischief falling out of trees. May I say, no one falls out of a tree with as much chill as Trico. Would that I could go through life as chill as Trico does, my goodness. Um, But Meowth is emo-logging over the event, saying he could have been happy like that, if not for music. I feel like we're about to get the story of Footloose, but we cut to him up atop an impressive base built on the side of a ravine. It's truly magnificent and all kinds of groovy. It's basically shaped like a bunch of dice. And the inside is decorated for a party. And look at these decorations, the banners and such. Team Rocket went all out. There is an ice sculpture of Giovanni and Meowth. Team Rocket has a shindig going down. 
But the way our heroes find this base is the usual getting into trouble, taking them to unexpected places. They fall off trees, accidentally launch themselves with trees, they fall off cliffs, and soon find themselves at the base of the base. And hello, Tad. Love that guy, but it's not the one you want catching you if you're falling. There's some fun sight gags through this sequence, and as always, the sight gags in the shorts are really hard to describe. But let's get back to Team Rocket and get with the plot. Giovanni is coming here. Because Jesse, James, and Meowth have successfully constructed a base. I mean, the building itself isn't actually so surprising. Because if they put half the time and materials into building it as they do their mechas, like, of course they would have a base. It's just that they actually sat still and focused long enough to build it. That really is surprising. But the boss is coming to see the works of their labor and hopefully acknowledge it with promotions. Now, in true short form, the human characters don't appear in this episode, but they do sometimes talk a bit at the start to set things up, and that's what's happening here. Jesse and James are planning to leave for a bit. But it's a little weird this time, because we don't see their eyes, but we do see their faces and mouths moving, and like... There's just enough of them in the episode and in the frame that it's kind of weirding me out. Like, like that they don't just go all the way and show the whole face. But Jesse and James, whatever the case, they're going to meet the boss. Meowth needs to handle things while they're gone. And also prepare the evening's entertainment to celebrate when the boss gets here. As I said, there's decorations, some kind of party atmosphere, and Meowth is in charge of finding a musical act. He's hired this Pokemon band and opens the curtain on the most terrified group of Wismer you've ever seen. Yeah, an, an organization dedicated to stealing and exploiting Pokemon, usually so aggressively against their will. And then they're ushered in here with Cacnea, Seviper, and Wobbuffet keeping guard like those poor Wismer must be scared out of their skins. They can barely keep a beat with the Maracas. But they don't dare refuse the gig. Meowth also has plans for a dancing troupe and some other performers which he shall lead with a baton. Looks like Cacnea, Wobbuffet, and Seviper are, are volunteered for that job. He's going all out to impress the boss. And Giovanni's going to be so entertained that he's going to kick out Persian and make Meowth the, the top cat. And as Jesse said earlier, he's got some issues about that. But let's get the party, or at least the rehearsal for it, started. Meowth is waving his baton. The lights are on. The disco ball is spinning. So Viper, Wobbuffet, and Cacnea are grooving. The Wismer are shaking, and not just their maracas. And Meowth's baton... He claims it can control Pokemon, make them shake their groove thing. I had doubts at the beginning of this episode, but Wobbuffet endorses the claim, and whatever the case, we place some credits and do enter a song and dance number. Meowth is singing loud and proud. And the credit sequence here sort of exists apart from the story. Like, Pikachu's dancing with him, and the background shows scenes from previous Pikachu shorts or, or locations from past shorts, like the tire clubhouse in movie three and that one mansion with a possessed lawnmower. <laughs> but some of the more recent Pokemon like Seviper are dancing in the foreground. So like I said, it just kind of exists apart. 
But we finish, Meowth and all his entourage are dancing in sync, so whether due to the power of the baton or just iron-fisted leadership, it it's happening and it looks great. Meowth is convinced Giovanni is going to be impressed too. In fact, he launches into a whole boss fantasy about it. The first and maybe only time a human being character is fully revealed in one of the Pikachu shorts. And, and yeah, it's like there's no actual rules for the Pikachu shorts. It's not like anyone promised things or set down law, but it's just become so established that humans don't play a part. There's not a lot of speaking, even from a narrator. No person's face gets seen. And this episode is just pushing the edges of that so hard, it's, it's kind of weirding me out a little. On the other hand, because of it, we're getting a little more depth than we often do. But speaking of that plot, Rehearsal is taking a break, which means Sviper locks the poor Wismer back in their cage. And in the meantime, Pikachu and Cohort see the giant dice-themed base with giant red R's on it, and are like, that looks like a supervillain lair if I've ever seen one. And I guess... Either really sleep-deprived and grumpy Loudred are the Norman Hoenn, or there's just this one with rotten luck always accidentally following these guys around. Or, or this episode took place while the gang was still on Duford Island. Continuity doesn't remotely apply to the shorts, I guess. But anyway, not far from where Pikachu and company are trying to get a peek in the window, there is a Loudred trying to catch a nap. We'll ignore it for a bit, though, because Pikachu sees Team Rocket's Pokemon and the Wizmer and the Hero Gang decides that they're going to get in there and rescue the kidnapped Pokemon. And in the process, accidentally shut the window and lock themselves in. So the escape attempt is going to be something. But they run up and talk to the Wizmer. Pikachu is doing impressions of Team Rocket's Pokemon. The Cacnea is amazing. I love the Wobbuffet impression, too. That one looked fun. But they determine that, yeah, the Wizmer are here against their will, and so, combining fire, electricity, and water, they break out the Wizmer. Almost wake up the Loudred outside, that racket is so high. Uh, and of course, Meowth notices, but what he doesn't notice is that the noise isn't the type of racket a bunch of Wizmer usually make, which gives our heroes a bit of a head start in escaping. Like, I was a little surprised that Meowth wasn't like, that sounds like electricity, all systems go! <laughs> but Meowth and Korhotes, they do come crashing through the door, but like I said, too late, and all the Pokemon have been able to hide somewhere in the room. Now Meowth has to line up his troops and go find them. But in his obsessive zeal, he trips, falls, and drops the baton which falls into the barrel Trico is hiding in and activates. A little button pushes, and a section of the top expands with some light. And now Trico, Pikachu, Torchic, Lotad, Meowth, the Wizmer, all of Team Rocket's Pokemon are all chained to the rhythm, to the rhythm, to the rhythm. Somewhat against their will, though most of them seem to enjoy it. They all break out into a flash mob. Like, even this Ludicolo just shows up to photobomb. I don't know where it came from. And then Loudred breaks through a concrete wall like, All you people, can't you see? Can't you see? My word, this is wonderful. And you can tell that Trico is trying to resist, trying to hold back, like, Don't dance, fight the power of this mad baton and get out of there. But oh, Trico, no. In the prophetic words of Gloria Esteban, the rhythm is going to get you. But what saves Trico from dancing fever is when it tries to climb up a barrel, that thing slips and the baton falls again and closes. And now the party is over. 
Meowth sees all his nemesis and the freed Wismer and returns to the warpath. But as he's chasing Pikachu and party around, some of those barrels get loose, and, and soon it's pandemonium and chaos, breaking barrels, falling debris, and Pikachu's team escaping. And Loudred just looks at all of this like, but, but I wanted to shake my groove thing. Come on, guys. Anyway, everyone but Loudred runs up the stairs, up, up, up to the highest platform on the base, and Pikachu's group has climbed up to the highest parapet, looking down at Meowth and his friends. As Meow says, there's nowhere to run, but Trico was smart and decided to take the dancing Poke Baton with him. It might prove useful in a couple seconds. At least Meowth can't use it against them. And we get a nice moment where Pikachu tries to do the usual and shock the enemies to oblivion, but Wobbuffet steps up to counter and not only blocks it, but manages to turn the attack back and nuke Mudkip. Didn't even have a trainer along to coax it into that. Like, Wobbuffet is just the almighty janitor. It just hangs in the background. No one takes him seriously. But when it matters, remember, that thing once repelled a legendary. Anyway, Mudkip is zapped and falls off the parapet. But like I said, Trico has the baton and moves fast, extending the baton so Mudkip's able to grab something before it falls to its death. Trico's now hanging off the side of the tower with one hand while Mudkip clings to the head of the baton for dear life. But remember, that baton, the top of it has all those buttons and it can open up, and with all the struggling, it does. With a snap, everyone's at attention. And Trico's trying to rescue Mudkip via a rhythmic gymnastics routine. It's still resisting the effects, even as everyone around it breaks out into a Bollywood number. The dancing is so hardcore, though. Like, it is breaking the base. The floor is crumbling. The supporting metal beams are bending. These guys are dancing till the world ends and barely noticing. It's not until they all start pairing up for a tango that Pikachu and Meowth seem to have some awareness that they're in danger, but they all make it off the current collapsing balcony just in time to watch it go plunging down the ravine. Still dancing. But eventually, the baton is closed again, and everyone wakes up from the trance. The baton ends up in Meow's hands again, and he'd appreciate that more if he wasn't busy realizing he almost died, and did some property damage on the base. But that's nothing compared to the damage that happens next. Meowth chases Pikachu and its buddies, and they run off the balcony into the ballroom, the, the big party room with all the food and the decorations, and they're running for their lives. Do you think they care about not disturbing the deco? No. Between them and Meowth, the place is trashed in seconds. All of that hard work. And of course, the other Rockettes are no help. Saviper tries, like, bless its soul, but no, it just ends up trampled by everyone, painfully. So does Cacnea, but Cacnea at least has a cushion underneath it called Saviper. <laughs> Even so, like, that ticks off Cacnea, and when it gets up, Cacnea goes berserk. It just raises its arms like a pair of machine guns, like, cha-chink, let's do this, goes full Terminator firing pit missiles at everything. <laughs> it's like, does James know you can do that? <laughs> Cacnea shoots up everything in the room, all the glass out of the windows, it demolishes banners and decorations, just a barrage of projectiles until everything is scrap. Meowth tries to rein Cacnea in, as, as it should, because does Cacnea do that on a normal basis? I've never seen this out of it before. 
I thought Jesse was the one in Team Rocket you didn't want to tick off, but... Anyway, at this point, it's really too late. Like, everything is wrecked. Even those, um... Oh, what are they called? The paper mache balls where you pull a string and they open up to pour confetti and stuff. Like, they're they're open and wasted. And they've got, like, these caricatures, I guess, of Giovanni. This party's ruined. And the boss hasn't even arrived yet. Meowth freaks out and fumbles with the baton, which ends up activating it, and at least it's a soothing island rhythm, so hula dancing breaks out. It's very calming. <laughs> Ludicolo is loving it, grabs a surfboard, Loudred bursts out wearing a lei. It's having a weird day, but it's the best day of its life, apparently. Even Trico has flowers in its hair and, you know, is trying not to give in, but is, is kind of sort of dancing. It's not until a heavy decoration falls on Meowth and the baton that the trance breaks, and everyone's like, oh yeah, we're supposed to be running. So the chase continues, although Loudred still continues to hula, like, I do not need the rest of you, I am having a me party. Everyone else, though, goes outside, running along the scaffolding, beside all the dice motifs, but there's so many Pokemon, the good guys kind of use that to their advantage. Like, just let's cause some chaos and and use it to divide and conquer. Trico and Mudkip split up and lose Cacnea, whose stumble results in a pail landing on Seviper's head. And since Seviper was chasing Lotad at the time, Lotad gets away. Seviper blindly tackles Meowth and they fall through every platform on the way back to the ground. Like, if there was any doubt about Seviper's ability to fill poor Arbok's shoes, do not worry. It is getting every last scapegoat, pratfall moment, and run of bad luck possible. And like I said, it's hard to describe the sight gags in some of these episodes sometimes, so I I hope you all watch at home later. But Seviper and Meowth are saved from a nasty crash by hitting a rope, which flings them back into the air like a slingshot. While they go almost blasting off, Wobbuffet gets taken out by the arm of a windmill. It goes for a bit of a ride. And in the process, connects with the dancing Pokebaton that had been flung into the air. And when it hits Wobbo, the beat activates. And good timing, that's about when Seviper and Meowth finally hit the ground, and immediately they're back on their feet like, Ah, ah, staying alive, staying alive. <laughs> and we're in a full-on dance party, Ludicolo's back. As always, Loudred breaks through the wall like the Kool-Aid man, and the party don't start till I walk in. The Wismer are singing in harmony. <laughs> like, it's significance to, like, the emotional journeys and plot of Hoenn is negligible at best. But my gosh, am I having a great time. But in all this chaos, the baton is thrown, it lands in the sand, and shorts out. A different rhythm is played. Now the music is more classical, like Renaissance waltzy ballroom, and Trico. Trico has been fighting the beat the whole episode, trying so hard not to give in to his inner Patrick Swayze, but here Trico just snaps and that's it. Eyes fling open, this is my jam, grabs Mudkip like, baby, we are gonna waltz it up in here, and Mudkip's like, wait, holy halucha, what happened to you? And apparently, the foxtrot is super effective. Who knew? Well, that baton is destructing one piece at a time, but as long as it plays music, the Pokemon gotta dance. 
And Trico's fully given over. It's scratching the windmill like it's a record, guys. I can't even explain what's going on there, but it's hilarious. Mudkip's been grabbed by a new dance partner, Wabafet. Um, doesn't look any more thrilled about this, but it happened. Pikachu and Meowth are also dancing together, but they're starting to look uncomfortable. And that's because of the problems with the Poke Baton. The music keeps getting faster and faster and faster, like... Even Ludicolo and Loudred are like, this is too much, yo. I only throw my hands up in the air sometimes. Things are going haywire faster and faster, and then slow, and then faster and faster and faster. And then finally the music reaches a peak. The baton explodes. The metaphorical mic is officially dropped. Louder it is the first to complain. It rips off a pipe and goes straight up shonen bat on this group. Like, meanwhile, the base is falling apart. So in addition to dodging Loudred, the gang also has to dodge falling debris, crumbling bricks, etc. The Pokemon all squeeze through a tiny door and take refuge in a small room, but it's like wall-to-wall wood? Loudred came crashing through concrete earlier. Like, that's not going to stop it. And it's, it's mad. Like I said, it's swinging that pipe like it wants to bash some brains in. It's kind of creepy. And a bit of an overreaction. I mean, you were at least having a good time. But Loudred smashes up the wall and Sviper, blessed thing, steps up to fight it and, and help the team. But then Loudred swings the pipe at Sviper's head. And well, Sviper has self-preservation instincts. It ducks. And Loudred takes out, in one swing, the entire supporting column. This building could go down. It shakes, everyone holds their breath. But no, it stays up, barely. Everyone breathes a sigh of relief. And then Lotad sneezes. The whole thing goes down. And the floor of that room kind of separates from the rest of the building, and they ride that floor all the way down. Which by this point, like, it's sort of gliding. It breaks in half, and the Team Rocket side gets stuck with Loudred, um, Pikachu, Wizmer, and the others glide the wooden floor to safety, having to use Lotad's water gun for a break. But they stick the landing, and they, they survive. The Pokemon rejoice. But what of Team Rocket? Well, they all trudge back, defeated and weary, to find that there's not much left of their base but scraps and a ladder. Not even that. Basically, Meow's dancing days are over. And roll credits. Complete with some kids' coloring submissions, it looks like. How cute. And Pikachu making Pokemon impressions. It needs help from Trico and Fortress to do Loudred. But um, after that, we get a trippy 70s music video sequence. The Wizmer get to go home free at the very end, and I hope that Pikachu also goes home to his trainer soon. I mean, the sun is setting. At some point, Ash is going to worry about you, moron. What took you so long? It was noonday in the last shot. This was a very fun episode. I do question where Ludicolo came from. Like, is it just a wild Ludicolo that, like, just, you know, wandered around, like, in the same way Loudred was? Or... I don't know. It doesn't make a lot of sense, but it's a Ludicolo, so it kind of doesn't have to. It's just super entertaining, and it makes me want a little more out of the Team Rocket Pokemon. Because we had some very developed characters with Team Rocket's Pokemon in, through 
you know, Kanto, Orange Islands, Johto with Arbok and Weezing. Like, we got to know them really well. We had a lot of moments of personality. But just the way they all played off of each other, like, other than the relationship between Arbok and Jesse, poor thing, Victory Bell and James a bit, like, the personality types, though very well defined, were not ones that I necessarily would have wanted to watch an entire short about. But this Hoenn team, like, Saviper and, like, getting to know a little bit about Cacnea and Meowth and Wobbuffet, like, that is just a group dynamic that I find I want more of without their trainers around to kind of guide things. Like, with the old group, Victory Bell, Lickitung, Arbok, Weezing, and Meowth, I very much got a feeling of, like, Jesse, James, and Meowth are in charge. Everybody else is just a lackey. Whereas with this group, like, Jesse and James might think that, but the fact is the four of them here, Meowth, Wobbuffet, Seviper, Cacnea, they are a team. And while a few of them may not especially like each other. Like, I I definitely get the feeling that Meowth resents Wobbuffet from time to time. (laughs) They can work together in a way that the old team didn't. Like, the blend of personalities and, like, the confidence that many of them have to take the lead or take initiative, as well as their ability to, like, listen to leadership, when they can work together and when they lose their temper and do their own thing, like... This is just a good group as far as these supporting characters go. Supporting Pokemon characters, no less. Like, Meowth is the only one who can have understandable dialogue. I I find I am just as fascinated and interested in their adventures as I am in Pikachu, Torchic, Mudkip, Trico. And definitely today more so. The good guys, the main characters that we have fallen in love with and gotten to know extremely well over, you know, the last several episodes, they were far less interesting than the Team Rocket Pokemon today, I feel. Like, if you gave me a choice between another short where Pikachu and his friends go off and have an adventure, and another episode where Meowth and his friends go out and have an adventure, I would pick Team Rocket. Right now, based off of this episode. So yeah, like, despite it being a Pikachu short, which, you know tend to just have a a little less seriousness and depth to them. It was super entertaining and kind of revealing and all sorts of entirely fun, like not a sad note in the whole thing. I'm very happy and satisfied. I hope you guys all had fun too. Uh, We will return to our, our main series soon so that we can figure out how May is adapting to contest life. It's going to be her first time competing, her first time putting her real skills out there on the line to have other people critique and judge her. <laughs> we'll see how she pulls through. But for now, thank you so much for listening. Uh, you can find more on this podcast on Facebook or Twitter at Pcappy Podcast or at pcappypodcast.blogspot.com. Until next time, this has been PCAPI Podcast. Gotta catch them all.